when we're looking at the aspects of race and ethnicity. It's important to bear in mind that race is truly a socially um, designed definition looking at specific characteristics, a skin tone, or um, certain features that may define down a group or a population. Um, when we look at it from an international perspective, it may be tattooing on the face or piercings. Uh, we will look at things that define down that um, aspect that kind of helps separate us out from other individuals. Where ethnicity um, can be a blending of race, it can be a blending of um, culture, um, every aspect of who you are, your background, your family of origin, those pieces that play out. I can say to a student, um, I'm from Miami and I dated a little guy that um, was from Cuba and I can remember the first time being invited to a family dinner and it was a huge family gathering and um, they killed a pig and they roasted it into the ground. That was a cultural component of what was definitive of their family behavior. And I remember saying, I don't want to go to that because I don't want to eat anything that I can look at. That was like from that perspective. And my friend saying, oh, no, no, that's a very important part of their family is that you go and um, introduce yourself and you meet people and you interact with them. Oh, okay. So it's all of those socially defined um, behaviors that uh, reflect who we are. When we look at um, race and ethnicity and how it plays out in the culture today, uh, sometimes some groups are very closed. Uh, we will look at um, different systems. You look at India and the caste system. They will look not based upon a specific race, but the direction of their culture. You can move to a lower caste by choice, but you can never move to a higher caste. So when we look from that perspective, uh, the way that they marry, their arranged marriages, they're looking for certain traits or characteristics uh, to involve themselves with and to be able to feel like that they are being true to their culture, their community, and their family. So when we come from the, the aspect of race and ethnicity into our world and our culture, we have to take international uh, perspectives into place. We have to look at from our own domestic um, interactions. When we look at um, race in our culture and country, I know that I will have some African-American students that will define down some of their experiences based upon prejudice. And um, they have maybe been racially profiled. Um, they may be with a group of kids that are just having fun, but someone assumes that because they're out driving a certain neighborhood, driving a certain vehicle or whatever, that they're doing something wrong and that it's a problem and their frustrations from that. But then I had a young man that was black from Canada that said, I've not seen the same thing in my country. All different kinds of races are um, considered equal. And so I come to America and I'll be talking to an African-American um, guy or girl and they will assume that my background experiences are the same as theirs and they're not. And he's like, so sometimes I have a hard time um, understanding where they came from, what that background is. Um, I have a very close African-American friend who would get really frustrated when she would shop in certain stores because maybe the um, store detective would follow her around and kind of make her question, am I doing something wrong? And I couldn't relate to that. I didn't understand that perspective. Um, but then I was up in New York shopping once and I'm one of those shoppers that make comments. I'm like, oh, isn't this pretty? Isn't that fun and everything? And I had someone follow me around through the store. 
and it scared me. I, and he looked a little scraggly. So I thought it was someone trying to case me and maybe steal something from me. And I'm very abrupt. So I turned around and I'm like, I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're doing, but you get off my feet and you get away from me right now. Is that clear? And the guy's like, um, yeah, okay. And I'm like, thank you. And I muttered to myself, I don't know who he thinks he is. And the lady behind the counter said, he's our store detective. And I'm like, what? I was being followed around by the store detective. And she's like, yes, your behavior, you're laughing, you're being silly, you're interacting with people. Um, he's watching you. And I'm sure that if anybody from your group that came in is quietly off to the side, there's another, another store detective watching them because you're the person who would distract us and we would pay attention to you. And then someone else would be stealing the merchandise. And I was like, oh, okay. I have to modify my behavior. I cannot behave badly that way, but I couldn't wait to get back home and call my friend and say, it happened to me not based upon race, but based upon behavior. Um, coming from Miami, I would at times go to go into um, a store and it might be owned and run by um, a Cuban family and they're very relational. So if there's a group of individuals that they're friends with that come in to talk, they would stand and talk for five or 10 minutes and completely ignore me. And that used to really frustrate me and I would be like, okay, I need to hurry up and get in and out. Well, my formal name's Juanita. And so I would call, place my order with a little bit of Spanish, maybe that I'd picked up from my two years in Spanish, but would come into the store and just ask for the order for Juanita. And they would immediately stop. They would get me my order. They would chit chat with me for a minute and they would send me on. And back when I was young, I would get so frustrated by that. Where now, oh, I love, I get missionaries to come and speak in my class all the time to be able to look at the two different cultures Many international countries are so relationally based that they want to spend time, they want to connect, and they want to get to know people. Where in American culture, we are so time-oriented, get it done and get it done now and give us all the details of it. And so struggling through understanding what is prejudice. I could probably say I was prejudiced against by um, the staff at these stores that I would go into. On the other hand, looking at the world through their eyes, they were doing the right thing because they were developing and maintaining the relationship they had with their customers. And I was maybe a newcomer to the process. Um, so each of our stories play out so differently. Prejudice is everywhere. I know it was hard for a lot of the people that I worked with in the community to understand. I was raised in a military family. Race and ethnicity were not something that we truly talked about um, or had to, um, I think, address or deal with. It was much more looking at um, rank. If you were an officer or if you were an enlisted man, um, looking from that perspective. And so um, it wasn't until adulthood and you know, after I graduated high school that I started to see people um, having issues of disrespect based upon their race or their ethnicity. And even now looking at other chapters, their gender you know, or their livelihood or their choices. So when we come and look at the underpinnings of prejudice, um, it's through every aspect of um, society. We may have schools that are in lower income districts that maybe don't have the same level of quality education or resources um, or activities. Um, I know that the school that my children went to was a Title I school and had um, a number of children from more um, lower socioeconomic groups that um, they qualified for the low cost and free lunch program. There was a lot of resources there. And I can remember um, when we would do activities, 
like one of the restaurants here in town would let the staff go and work there and like 20% of the income or 10% of the income for the three hours that they were volunteering would go to the school for fundraising. And the families from my school district would literally drop, pull up, drop their kids off, not give them any money and think that they were just getting free babysitting for three hours. So we had to go, no, 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 no. This is family time. You and your family come and you and your family buy food and then money comes back to the school. Well, their mindset, that wasn't it. We would have an activity and I would be so excited because we would do fundraising and we might raise um, $200 through our fundraiser or $300 through our fundraiser and um, feel very good about it. One of our, um, our assistant principal one year, his wife was the assistant principal at our wealthiest elementary school in town. And I said, oh yeah, we made, you know, 300 and so-and-so dollars in our fundraiser. How did your wife's fundraiser go? And she had had like a carnival and open house like we did. And he said, oh, you don't want to know. And I'm like, no, I do. I'm sure it was really good. How'd they do? And he looked at me and he said, they made 1700 so $17,000. And I said, what? They made thousands of dollars? And he said, yeah, it's a real wealthy school and people bought tickets and there was a lot of donations. And I was just stunned. Two public schools within 15 minutes of each other, one making $300, one making thousands of dollars. And he said, that's the fundraiser that they use all year long to, to support everything. And I was like, oh my gracious. You know, and we look at it, our element, three element, 11 elementary schools funnel into three middle schools. And we'll look at the dynamics of the children who um, from the lower socioeconomic background will be um, given a hard time, will not maybe be treated with respect, and then they turn around and maybe bully kids um, that they're in classes with. Um, we see it through the academics in the sense that you can have um, kids that are in accelerated programs, average learning programs, and then those that are developmental programs and need more support. And oftentimes the children that find themselves in the lower socioeconomic area will um, find themselves struggling academically and will be in the lower progressive program. Um, sometimes that's based upon economics, but oftentimes also it's the, the idea of race playing into it and being able to um, see that impact. Um, I know in our school system they struggled with the children coming um, into the school system and really having a hard time with um, their academics and their behaviors. And so they were working really hard to um, keep minority kids from being in any kind of alternative education programs. And so, you know, we put in place a lot of remediation and a lot of support. We found connecting um, children that um, come from minority groups with mentors and um, individuals that can help them succeed more academically, very important. And so um, with that, um, like one gentleman, we have a program here called um, Jubilee Family Development Center. And it was an African-American man who had several little brothers that he, he worked with through the Big Brother program. And um, he went to work in D.C. And he said, you know, I could only get home on weekends. I could see the kids struggling. And so I worked at um, developing this program. And it underwrites uh, their academics. It helps with tutoring. It gives them all kinds of good group interaction. And a majority of the kids that take part in it are minority kids. They're, um, they're African-American kids, or um, we have a, a huge Hispanic and, and Asian population here too. And so it was a place for them to really get the fortification that they need, but it also helped turn their lives around. He was um, a, a winner of one of the Oprah um, Angel um, angel service kind of projects that helped him develop his uh, program further. 
And um, one of the girls that worked with him said, you know what, I take the middle school girls to tour colleges because if I don't get them connected with the mindset of furthering their education, before they hit high school or during high school, they'll make choices that really close doors for them. And so when we're looking at um, individuals that um, need resources and supports, when we're looking at people that are struggling, it can be the way they're socialized, it can be the fact that um, where they live um, maybe closes doors more than opens them. But I think that as we invest in our kids, as we invest in their futures, helping them come up with the resources that they need, the supports that they need, helping them feel better about who they are, we can see so many doors opened for them. Race and ethnicity does not have to be something that locks them down. It just can be something that is a part of their self-definition. It's not something that closes them. And I think for all of us to see everyone through the eyes of Christ, not letting any prejudice that we were raised with ever cloud our judgment, but having that go both ways, that respect is across the board and that dignity is across the board and that we can truly um, claim the love of Christ over every aspect of who we are. Um, I think that we can continue to see uh, racial relationships um, develop deeper and stronger and be more successful.